3: Hello, you're listening to Extra Time, a web-only sports programme from Radio New Zealand Sport. I'm Stephen Houston. We have a rugby special this week. We review the All Blacks World Cup squad with Grant Fox, ask Jose Gear what the All Blacks selectors have against the Gear family, and we preview Hawke's Bay's chance to win the Ranfurly Shield after a more than 40-year drought. We have more than just rugby, though. We talk with Valerie Adams as she prepares to defend her World Shotput title at the World Champs in South Korea. And we hear from rower Eric Murray ahead of the world rowing champs in Slovenia and learn how former All Blacks captain Brian Lahore has been called in for Wawarapa United and the Chatham Cup football final against Napier City Rovers. It's all done and dusted. The All Blacks 30 strong World Cup squad has been named with the tournament now just a fortnight away. After much deliberating, Graham Henry, Wayne Smith, and Steve Hansen have settled on the squad, though banking on becoming just the second New Zealand side to lift the Webb Ellis Trophy. Former All Black first five Grant Fox believes Henry and co have gone for a predictable lineup.
4: The difficult one for the selection uh, staff was who they were going to leave out. You know, particularly in you know, those key outside back positions where we had you know, a lot of talent, and you can't pick everybody. And, you know, uh, unfortunately for Liam Messam, the opportunity got in the test match, he just struggled to step up. And, you know, Victor Vito's um, been there before. Uh, He's been in pretty good nick most of the year. And he's got another dimension to his play, or more so than Messam, is that he's a taller man. So he's more of a line out option than Messam is. So I think that's what he probably helped Vito uh, get in. And, you know, some guys coming back from injury who, um, I guess in some ways could count themselves a little bit fortunate, but you know the selectors have gone for you know experience as well as some, some young guys who, who've got a lot of talent.
3: In the case of Liam Messam, he played himself out rather than Vito played himself in?
4: He didn't help his cause, put it that way. I think they were giving him an opportunity to step up, and I do think they had question marks in, in, as to whether Messam really... You know, could step up to the next level because there is quite a gap from Super Rugby to Test Rugby, and particularly you know what you'd call a Tier One Test match. And unfortunately for Liam, he, he didn't have you know such a great day. And so yeah, maybe that did count against him. Um, but you know, Vito's just got perhaps a couple more options available, particularly in terms of the line-out.
3: No, Jose Aguirre or Sidivini Civivatu. So I suppose technically no no specialist wingers.
4: Well, that Guilford's a specialist winger. And don't forget, James played just about all his All that rugby on the wing. Uh, Tui Ava played a lot of it there, um, you know, last year. Um, um, you know, Dag's played on the wing before. Um, Mulyahina's played on the wing when you go back a long time in his career. I think they've looked at the skill set required and have very carefully looked at guys who've got good aerial skills in the back three, um, you know, because uh, I guess, Part of the planning would be to that perhaps you know everything going to plan they'd get South Africa in a semi final. Uh, we already know the style of game they were go- they going to play, and we've been found wanting against South Africa a couple of years ago, and you know against their kicking game. And so I think you know sort of kick receipt skills were very much in the selectors' minds when they were picking the you know the outside backs.
3: Would you have anticipated Gear or Sivi Vasu making that final cut though, or one of them?
4: you know what i don't think about these things what <laughs> um, whatever i think doesn't really count for anything because you know my teams don't play and i'm not judged and that's you know a line i've always maintained and um you know it was always going to be difficult um for uh, you know that was the area where i guess the biggest logjam was and you know all black history is littered with people who are unlucky um and these guys should just count themselves another you know they're just two more two more players who've been unlucky that, you know, we've got a surfeit of talent in that area.
3: That test against South Africa, do you think it threw up a few threw up a few other options? I mean, is Colin Slade still Dan Carter's backup, or is wipu where well, should think, he be um, there? I um,
4: think Colin Slade will be better for the outing, and they would have found out a bit more about Slade. He would found out more about himself, and so... You know, it's very clear that he's still got work to do, um, you know, to be able to step up to test level. But he's a talented young man, and, you know, once he's um, in the group and they're together all the time, he'll be able to, you know, work on areas of deficiency, and should he get an opportunity, hopefully he'll be the better for it. But also, Perry Whipu's little cameo showed that, you know, um, I mean, he's a quality rugby player, Perry Whipu. Um I've always believed that, you know, he, he's, you know, he's such a quality nine that that's where you've got to play him, but but he has the ability to go to 10. Um, and, you know, I believe his ability at 10 is more for a stopgap period in a game um, rather than necessarily being an out and out starter. But, you know, who knows what the selectors will be thinking. Maybe they'll think who has got the skills to, you know, to actually go into that number 10 role um, from the start of a game if Daniel Carter happens to be injured. So time will tell on that. So, you know, Slade probably didn't help us. Cause as much as he would have liked, and Wepu probably ticked another box in terms of an option at
3: ten. Uh, I know this is a hypothetical, but if the the Rugby World Cup final was tomorrow and Dan Carter was unavailable, would you be starting with Wepu or Slade?
4: Oh look, I don't get into these things because, again, it's the old principle. My teams don't play, and um, and I would, you know, to to really have a look at that, you know, I'd want to see how both guys went during the during the tournament. So, you know, on the basis of one performance where Slade, you know, did some things that were okay and some things that, you know, clearly need some work. Um, You know, you don't just sort of say, God, you know, where do we go now? Um, You know, he's a young man, um, you know, who will have time with the group and and who will develop and who's a bit of an old old campaigner now who you know can do a job if you ask him to do it. So, you know, I'd I'd really wait to make a judgement on that. And see what they were like, you know, in the tournament if they got opportunities in the ten jersey.
3: Uh, Wayne Smith and Graham Henry also made the comment that, that, in a sense, Israel Dagg was their selection bolter, and he did it on the back of that performance in, against the Springboks.
4: Yeah, well, again, he's a guy that was, you know, everyone knows his talent. He showcased that last year, um, and you know, the difficulty was for him. He's he's really had. Um, uh, he's been out with injury he hasn't had much time to show his wares and because of the you know the the excess talent i guess you got in, in the outside backs you know a game like the South African test was crucial for Dag because you know there are other guys who can play full back and, and you could have brought one of those wingers in who's missed out so you know very much um you know his selection um was, was probably you know based on his outstanding form in that game if he if he hadn't have scrubbed up then they had other options so you know, that was part of, I guess, the changes that coaching staff made for that test match. They needed to find out about some guys. Um, and they did. Um, you know, they, they they lost the game do, doing it, but there was no guarantee the number one side would have won either. You just don't know that. Um, and there was a lot of pressure on the South African team to win that game. It wouldn't look so good for them if they'd lost against, you know, a side that was, you know, largely, you know, the, the next group, if you like. Um, and... You know, sometimes you learn more from losses than you do from wins, and, you know, in, in the big scheme of things, I think that loss, you know, may serve the All, black, all Blacks well come come World Cup time.
3: So you're generally satisfied with the, the way they're travelling?
4: Yeah, I think you, 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 I mean, you've you got to be, um, you know, and it's not just about the way they're travelling at the moment. They've travelled well in, in the last, you know, um, couple of years too, and so, you know, things are building nicely, but look, we've been here before where, you know, things are trucking along well, and... That they haven't come up with World Cup success, so there's absolutely no guarantees here. Um, you know what you do know is that um, you know this is a very experienced group with some exciting young talent. Uh, they'll have a lot of resolve. They'll be trying bloody hard. Um, but sometimes on the day, you know, an opposition can sneak past you. Um, so we'll just have to wait and see. But you know, we we are in a good place. Um, but you know, time will tell whether ultimately, you know, we're going to be good enough
3: this weekend's test play a part in all of it?
4: Not in the big scheme of things, no, I don't I don't believe. Um, um, you know, it, it, there's a lot on the test now because the Tri-Nations title is essentially at stake in this game. So, um, they're, you know, the All Blacks will, will, will want to win that title. They've parked the Bledisloe Cup. Um, but, you know, the Aussies will play it up psychologically. If they win, they'll think they've put some psychological dent in the All Blacks and, you know got some confidence themselves. But, you know, i just go back to a statement I made um, earlier that, um, you know, the, you learn more from your losses than you do from your wins. So if it happens that it doesn't go the All Blacks' way this weekend, then, you know, there's, there'll be that little bit more resolve, you know, if they happen to meet Australia come World Cup time.
3: I was talking to former All Black first five Grant Fox. Jose Gears regarded as the unluckiest to miss out on that World Cup squad and he spoke about his disappointment earlier this week, the irony being his brother Rico missed out on the 2007 World Cup squad in similar circumstances.
5: I guess it's, it's where to from here for me, and uh, you know, it's a matter of just sitting down with the family and um, thinking about the future. Obviously there's opportunities to stay and, um, and leave also, so those are things that I'll, be, um, that I'll be weighing up. What have the All Black selectors got against the Gear family? <laughs> <laughs> Probably can't put anything down specifically there, but uh, you know, I, I guess... Um, you know, I, I obviously just didn't take my opportunities as, as well as some of the other boys, and um, and you know those guys fully deserve to be there, and um, you know, and, and I do wish them all the best. Did you I suppose
3: that? it doesn't make it any easier though when Wayne Smith says there's nothing more you could have done.
5: Yeah, definitely. I guess um, obviously there, there's there's more there that I, that I wanted to do. Um, didn't really get too many opportunities, but you know, I guess I just put that down to myself. Um, you know, not making myself available enough. Um, on the field to get my hands on the ball, so. Um, that's just how the way it it, uh, it it panned out, and and yeah, I accept. It. Coaches have um, you know have, have said that um, you know I'm only an injury away, so um, they want me to sort of you know keep training, and um, you know, who knows, anything can happen. Obviously, I'd love like to get back in there, but um, I think um, from experience, you know, I've sort of been in and out, and and I think um, you know I'm not getting any younger now, and I've I've got a young family that I that I need to think about it and take care of, so. Um, I think you know, if you miss out on the All Blacks, you know, financially, that's a, you know, a massive loss that, that you're making out that you could be um, getting overseas as well. So there's all those sorts of things to weigh up as well. Have you got many overseas offers in front of you? Okay. Um, no, I haven't, haven't yet. I probably haven't really um, you know, thought, thought too much about going overseas. It was a matter of um, you know, getting through the All Blacks and um, getting through this announcement and, um, and, and sort of seeing where things are from there.
3: Was RICO able to give you any advice to help you get
5: over it? Um, yeah, definitely. Um, I, I guess one same thing is that, um, you know, once one door closes, another one opens. So um, that's, that's probably the, the, the approach or the attitude that I'm that I'm sort of leaning towards as well. We we're expecting twins in, in about three weeks. So um, I guess for me, that's, um, you know, I'm out of one job and straight into the next. So that gives me a focus and something to look forward to. And, um, you know, I'm really excited about that.
3: That's the unwanted all-black winger, Jose Gear, And you're listening to Extra Time, a web-only sports programme from Radio New Zealand Sport. I'm Stephen Hewson. The Ranfilly Shield's not all that's on the line in New Plymouth on Sunday evening. If Taranaki hold the Loggerwood after relieving Southland of it earlier this week, Hawke's Bay will also miss out on the chance to host next week's ITM Cup Championship Final with Manawatu. It's been 15 years since Taranaki last held the Shield and 16 years since the home side last beat Hawke's Bay, but it's been 42 years since Hawke's Bay last held the Shield. Murray Williams spoke to former All Blacks midfield back Ian McRae who was a member of that Hawke's Bay side that enjoyed a golden run in the 60s.
6: We had a good team right from about 1963 and we had three shield challenges before we actually won it and two of those were against Taranaki. Uh, I don't remember the scores but I know we came home empty-handed and one against Auckland which was a three-all draw uh, which meant we came home empty-handed uh, until eventually, uh, on the fourth occasion, we managed to take the Shield off off Waikato. And that was only a very close score as well. So it's not an easy thing to win, the old Shield. Once we got hold of it, at the end of 1966, we held it for three years, right till the end of 1969. Uh, and Canterbury took it over us in another close game. So you can't actually bet too heavily on a Shield game.
0: Yeah, I seem to recall some of those defences were, were pretty epic and that uh, Blair Furlong dropped quick the odd goal at, just at the right time to keep it there.
6: Oh absolutely, we, we won one in injury time and we, uh, we also drew one right on the final whistle to, uh, to retain it. So uh, they're always neck and neck uh, encounters, very enjoyable.
0: Tell me about some of your teammates, one that obviously springs to mind because his uh, name comes up every year at the Rugby Awards dinners is, uh, is Kel Tremaino. I remember when he was playing in Canterbury, he played for, well, I think, Southland and maybe Manawatu as well, but he put in a lot of time for you guys too, didn't he?
6: Oh, absolutely, and he was our captain um, right through that era. Marvellous, marvellous uh, man and a wonderful rugby player and, and a great on-the-field leader. He led by example. You know, didn't shout and scream or anything like that, but wonderful, wonderful uh, rugby player, probably one of the, the better ones in, in New Zealand's history.
0: And scored a lot of tries for you guys as well as for the All Blacks.
6: Oh, yeah, he's way up there with um, the top try scorers in uh, in first-class rugby. Uh, he, he'd score them in, in groups, you know, three or four in a game sort of thing.
0: Just looking back on some of the other members of that team, you had a great midfield partnership there with Bill Davis too, didn't you?
6: Yeah, Bill and I played a lot of football together for, uh, for Hawke's Bay and, and uh, the All Blacks. Uh, and uh, people tell me we had a pretty good combination going. We used to enjoy playing together and fed off one another, very much um, as uh, most midfield pairings do. When you play a bit together, you get to know uh, instinctively what the other guy's doing. So it's always a big help.
0: You had it, I think, for twenty-one defenses, and that's right up there with with your Canterbury's and your, well, maybe not quite that Auckland team of the in the eighties. But can you ever see a time when when the shield's held for that duration? Now, given the fact that you're going to go over there and challenge Taranaki without guys that you would, you know, dearly love to have, I guess like Israel Dagg and Zach Guilford in the team.
6: Uh, long tenures are going to be more difficult because um, you can't plan your program. Your program is planned for you. Whereas in our days, we selected who we were going to give challenges to, and uh, our union bosses were a bit crafty there, where they, you know, they slot in a few that we could uh, warm up with, and and then uh, a few tougher ones towards the, the latter part of the season. Nowadays, you just get what you, you're given, and and you're playing against the best teams in the country um, every second week sort of thing So, yeah, I can't see any team really hanging on to it for too long these days.
0: Have you seen much of Taranaki this year? There's an awful lot of rugby I guess even if you're an enthusiast you'd have to draw the line at how many games you watch during a week
6: Oh absolutely, I've, I've watched Taranaki and they're quite an exciting team, they, they've got a good forward pack when they turn up, they've got some very exciting backs uh, and very quick backs and I don't think they've lost too many players to um, to World Cup commitments, so uh, they're pretty much um, at full strength. Whereas we we have lost a number of players, both to the All Blacks and some of the island teams. So we're a bit underdone as far as, as experience goes. But the ones that are here and and left behind, they've worked very hard all season and pre-season, and they deserve some success. So. Uh, uh, good luck to them on Saturday. Uh, I, w- I wouldn't put too much money on them, but um, they're good enough to win if they, if they have a good day.
0: You think there'll be many people making the trip across for the game?
6: Absolutely. I've just booked my, my trip, and uh, so we will be there. And uh, just to talk around uh, town that I've heard this morning, there's heaps going over.
0: And as far as the current team goes, you've had. You had that period where you were, you couldn't get out of the you know, the second tier even though you, you regularly won it and then lost the promotion game. But since then, Hawke's Bay's had some you know, pretty big wins, hasn't it? You've, you know, knocked off Wellington, knocked off Auckland. I remember, I seem to recall a couple of years ago beating Auckland by a, a very big score.
6: Yes, I, I think um, in particular the last uh, four years have been pretty fantastic in the Bay and uh, our team's gone really, really well. We've sort of been in the in the semi-finals uh, of the premier competition uh, right through those years it sort of coincides with the appointment of a, a couple of very good coaches and pete russell and uh, tom Cummintree. Uh we've got a very good training team that get the guys superbly fit and good management very supportive crowd that have got on board and, and sponsors and everything else We're uh, we're tracking pretty well with um with everything on and off the field and uh And it's quite a a wonderful area to be in rugby-wise and very, very much akin to the uh, the 60s when we did have the Shield. Uh, There's a great buzz around town about the rugby and uh, we're getting good crowds along. So uh, we're sort of leading the way uh, in a lot of areas uh, in, in sort of comparison to a lot of other provinces.
0: And getting the shield uh, back after all that time would be a neat way to end the season for you, I guess.
6: Yes, that would, that would be absolutely excellent. Uh, we've also got one eye on uh, trying to win the, uh, the, the championship uh, grade of the competition. So, uh, yeah, we've got uh, two things going for us on Saturday. On Sunday, I mean.
3: That's the former All Black and Hawke's Bay midfield back Ian McRae talking to Murray Williams and eight strong New Zealand teams competing at the World Athletic Champs in South Korea, headed by reigning Olympic and World Championship putter Valerie Adams. After her struggles of 2010 with personal issues and a change of coaches, Adams has again dominated the event this year, heading off her Belarusian rival Nadzeya Ostapchuk. She's unbeaten this year and recorded her biggest winning margin over Ostapchuk in their four clashes this year at a recent meet in London.
7: She has had the biggest throw this year, but what counts is when you come together, when you're able to compete um, together, you know, against each other. Um, That's what matters. Whether she's run the biggest throw than I have this year, it it, it doesn't really matter. At the end of the day, what matters is um, whoever whoever wins the competition. So um, that's all we've got to be looking at.
3: What do you make of the distances that you've been throwing?
7: It's going really well. Um, I think my consistency is much better this year than it has has, has been in previous years, so um, that all goes down, obviously, to um great coaching and, and technical side of working with um, Jean-Pierre and Verna. It's It's been going really well. Obviously, some frustrating days, um, but that's the way sport goes. And, um, uh, yeah, we've been able to do it.
3: You've been in some pretty sort of heavy workload, have you, recently?
7: Yeah, we'll be doing um, a, lot, a lot of base training. None of the diamond leagues have been... Um, we ha- haven't actually done... Uh, Sort of any tapering whatsoever towards the near, maybe a couple of days worth, but nothing extreme like I have been in the past.
5: What
3: what sort of distance are you looking for at the World Champs? Have you set a target for yourself?
7: Um, no, my, my my target is to throw whatever I need to win. You know, my 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 objectives at the World Champs and my goal is to, to defend defend my title. And we cannot put a put a um, distance or anything as to how far um, we're going to be throwing. It's just a matter of going up there and. Um, Doing what you need to do to win the world championship so that's that, that's my target and that's my goal.
3: A year out from from the Olympics, are you starting to look towards them, or, or are you putting um, that no, out of your not mind?
7: not at all. Yeah, I'm. I'm not really focusing on the Olympics at the moment. I know it was 365 days a few days ago, and that's a year away, and it's not so far away. But at the same account, I've got to focus on world champs, and that's. And that's my goal and my focus um, for the time being. I suppose um, after world champs, then you gotta then we start thinking and, and um, planning for the Olympic Games. Um, so the, at the moment, it's just pure um, day and, and making sure I'm in the best shape possible.
3: What about Ospaschuk? Do you do you have much of a relationship with her at all? Do you, or just pretty much when when you see each other when you're competing?
7: I uh, just see each other when we're competing.
3: You're not good mates.
7: We we get along. Not, I mean, it's not like we hate each other, but we do get along, and we we we're both there to, to with the, with the same goal in mind. So um, you know, our competitive um, instincts are, are there, but outside of that, you know, we're, we're friendly to each other. But we're not best of friends. But I have other friends within the shop put arena.
3: <laughs> ones that don't get as close to you, distance-wise.
7: Well, it's not because of that. It's just because of their personality and, and who they are. Um, they're great people who, who and you know that's all. I see them with um for you know you you compete and there's something in outside of that at the end of the day we're all human beings, and we all sleep shit and eat the same way.
3: you mentioned so the the workload you've been doing on um sort of base training et cetera technique you you mentioned that too has that been the the priority or i mean can you talk us through a bit as to to what specifically you've been working on?
7: We've been working a lot on, on, on getting more dy- um dynamic across the circle, utilising um um my you know, my my legs and my body in, in a better way, um, to my advantage, you know. Um my, my height and, and my size is an advantage. So we're just trying to use it as much as possible to my advantage. So I mean, it's been going really well. I've been working really hard at the um best coach um that I could be here with is, is JP and um Vern is two meters tall, so it's it's a great Person to sort of um, compare towards, you know, or or compare against, and it's it's been really good.
3: So, have you changed things much to over the previous to the twelve to twenty-four months?
7: Not completely reconstructed. Adjusted a few things and um, make it work better for me. I'm 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 not a Ferrari. I cannot move like a Ferrari. So I've got to move like Valerie. You know what I mean? An optimal speed and a and a uh, dynamic that I could um, control myself.
3: I was talking to Olympic and World Champion shot putter Valerie Adams. The rowing champs also get underway next week with Olympic places on the line. New Zealand's World Champion men's pair of Eric Murray and Hamish Bond say qualifying for next year's London Games is their one and only focus at the event in Slovenia and medals will simply be a bonus. The event in Bled is the main Olympic qualification regatta and New Zealand has several individuals and teams expected to book their Olympic spots. The men's pair go into the regatta having won 13 consecutive races over the past three years and are all but assured of a medal in Slovenia. But Murray told Joe Porter they're taking nothing for granted.
8: Preparation's been really good. Um, We spent a good amount of time training in uh, Belgium. Uh, I had to make a quick trip home. My wife gave uh, birth to my son so managed managed to get home in time for that uh, and then get back over here and reunite um, after having a week uh, in separate locations so Hamish was training over um, here in Belgium and uh, I was training back in New Zealand in the in the cold winter so different different temperatures um, but otherwise it's gone really well um, and we're just looking to uh, progress and hopefully we've made um, some good gains since Lucerne you know, even though we had a real dominant um, regatta in Lucerne we we're always looking to uh, make that edge and, and make things a little bit faster and hopefully we've done that.
2: Obviously, um, it's an Olympic qualification event and a bit of a test event for next year's uh, London Olympics. I mean, how, just how important is this?
8: You want to go into the Olympics with a lot of confidence, um, and you also want to come out of, of these World Championships with confidence that what you've done in preparation has worked uh, so that then you don't have to really search for things for the following year. You can just pretty much maintain what you've been doing and sharpen things up um, and maybe adjusting slightly and not really looking for... Um, you know, that massive, massive advantage um, because you're searching for, you know, a huge, a huge catch-up margin. So for us, we really want to go in and, and you know, we, we've had a great unbeaten streak in the pair. We want to continue that uh, and hopefully that's what we can do and, but every race is completely different and so we just have to take it race by race when it comes, you know, starting on Sunday.
2: And a home event for um, arch rivals Peter and Andrew. Are you expecting a fierce challenge from them?
8: Oh, absolutely. Um, we are going to take note of every other crew that's out there. You know, these, these guys have been our main rivals and, you know, they've always been touted as the, the, the top two British rowers and that's why, you know, they've, they've been able to come through all their trials at the top and they've wanted to race the pair and they've wanted to win the pair and we've been the only ones standing in, in their way. So, But it's good to see the um, the Canadian Olympics of medalists are back in the scene. Uh, they gave the, the, um, the British a... Run for their money in Lucerne, and so it'll be interesting to see how they've progressed um, after both guys uh, taking a little bit of time off after Beijing, uh, and so they've obviously had a good training block, and we'll see how well they go. And you know, there's also um, all the other crews that are out there, and you know, they've they've been sitting, they've been sitting back, letting everyone talk about us and the British and the Canadians, and hope you know they've probably been working as hard as we have, if not harder, to try and catch up to to our speed. So. I think we've just got to wait and see what happens, uh, you know, come the weekend.
2: So you are expecting some sort of, I guess, genuine challenges to to emerge at this event?
8: Uh, You never know. That's that's the biggest thing with racing is anything can happen. You know, you could have somebody that comes right out of left field and and you think, crikey, you know, where did they come from? And that's what we've got to expect. And you've got to expect the worst uh, every time you go out there and race. So that's what we do. you know we train as if we're in second place and we always race as though we're in first place so that's our basic philosophy so we've just got to continue doing that i guess
2: okay what's more important to you world title or olympic qualification
8: olympic qualification first um with this regatta you know you you go through it and in the past uh we've had some pretty close races and in 2007 you know we we went into the the regatta saying, okay, let's just qualify for the Olympics because we'd had a pretty bad 2006. And then we ended up winning the World Championships in the four. So that's basically the first thing that you look at is, okay, let's just get into the final because that's automatically qualification and then go for the medals uh, from after that. But we've been lucky that we've been the standout crew in our event. So for us, you know, Olympic qualifying is definitely number one um, priority to start with, um, that's the first goal of these world championships, and then the ultimate goal is to come away with the win, and that's yeah, that's what we want to do.
2: I mean, because you guys are so dominant at the moment at the, at the top of your field, do you think that continuing that dominance—you know, just just crushing everyone, sending everyone, you know, I guess back to the sheds, thinking that how the hell are we going to beat these two guys—is the way to go to just try and blow everyone out the water? You know, I guess just under just <laughs> over six months out or seven months out from the Olympics.
8: Yeah, it's it's a little bit you know we. Talk about it on occasions, and you sort of almost got to worry about it a little bit because if we're producing the results that we're producing now, people are going to have to look at it and say, okay, you know, what the hell are we going to do to catch up to these guys? Because you know we've we've had some pretty big wins um, by some quite large margins, and so people are going to look at that and say, okay, what are we going to do? And as if if we don't keep on our toes, then somebody could sneak up from behind us and and sort of you know wipe us out from under our feet, so to speak. So that's what we've really got to look at, and. You know, for us, it's basically the only pressure that we put on ourselves to perform, and so, you know, we're always trying to go out there to make things better and faster, and the only the only way that you can really say that we've been, you know, a complete, absolute dominant and unbeatable force is if we actually do go right throughout this whole four-year season, um, four-year campaign being unbeaten, but, you know, we don't look that far ahead, and, and we're only really looking towards, um, you know, every, every race that we go towards, so, you know, we're looking at our heat on... On Sunday, and then we're going to take it one step at a time from there, and if we make it to the semi, and then make it to the final. Then, you know, we've got to plan things a bit different in those those races.
2: What's the course like in uh, Slovenia? What's it looking like?
8: Ah, uh, beautiful here, pretty hot. Um, probably not quite our conditions. Probably a little bit too hot for my liking. Um, but no, it's, it's looking really good. The, the lakes, um, beautiful place to train on, and, and beautiful place to race. We raced here last year at the World Cup. And so we're just looking forward to getting out there. And, you know, there's so many other crews that are, um, are out there training at the moment. So, we, you know, you get to, get to have a sneak peek every now and again at people that are, that are rowing by. So we just, we just do our own thing. We can only affect the outcome from our boat. So that's what we do.
2: And how are the rest of the team uh, plodding along? Obviously, Mahe and Emma will be looking for good results and a, and a few of the others as well. How's the, how's the whole team feeling in general? What's their sort of atmosphere, I guess?
8: It's a it's a pretty good atmosphere, you know, we're we're quite a good little um, tight knit unit, um, the whole New Zealand rowing team and we've all got goals for each individual crew and you know, I can't really comment on how, you know, everyone else is wanting to go but you know, I can personally say that everybody wants to qualify. Um, you know, you don't really want to be the crew that misses out on that quali- on a qualification spot. Um and we've had a lot of good results from Mount loose you know, I think there was only one or two crews that were, were out of a qualification position, so I've obviously looked to move on from that and, you know, we've just got to wait and see and, oh, honestly, this, this is brutal, eh? Because it's basically people's hopes and dreams for, <laughs> for four years out the window. If you don't qualify for the Olympics, sure, there's another chance next year, but that's even more cutthroat. You know, you're only talking one or two positions from a race. So this here is where you've got to do it. If you don't do it here, you know, you may as well either look at having a break or, you know... You've got
3: to really, reevaluate really what you're doing. That's rower Eric Murray talking to Joe Porter. And you're listening to Extra Time, a web-only sports programme from Radio New Zealand Sport. I'm Stephen Hewson. Having guided the All Blacks to their only World Cup win, Brian Lahore has been called in to inspire Wairarapa United to try and help them win football's Chatham Cup final this weekend. Their opponents in Palmerston North on Sunday are Napier City, who'll be playing their sixth final and chasing a fifth win, while it's United's first finals appearance. Brian Lahore spoke to the side ahead of the match at training on Thursday after an approach from coach Phil Kinsley.
1: BJ's just one of those um, people, who, um, a real community person, and over the years you can just ring him and just get some advice. He's always available. Doesn't uh, he? Probably, obviously. Feels like saying, Oh, go get lost, but he never says it, answers the questions, and gives. uh, He's a really humble man, but the knowledge is just staggering. It comes from him. Just to get them, make sure their heads are on, uh, you know, focused in the right direction and how to, you know, um, handle what is going on this, uh, you know, this week and the way things will be a bit sort of out of their rhythms and that sort of thing on match day, having to sort of keep to a programme and all the sort of carry on.
3: You've done a, a fair bit of recruiting from the, the Pacific Islands. H- how, did you, well, how did you get on to that?
1: Yeah, it was more that um, uh, the problem I soon realised to be if we want to compete at the higher level, um, we never had a big enough um, play, base of quality players in the app, and it would take a long time with the development. So... Um, uh, one way of course was to bring in players like Gisborne did some years ago uh, but if you don't have them at trainings and this sort of thing it just causes all sorts of issues so it um, was to try and find a way of actually getting players in that would, uh, but would be at trainings all the time and be part of the community so uh, I thought of, uh, I knew there was a tournament that's run in Fiji the IDC tournament in October. So I went over to that some years ago, about eight years ago, and um, brought three Fijians back from then. And um, and again, about four years ago, I brought back uh, a player from v- Sule Zoraman from Vanuatu and Waisaki from Fiji. And so they live in the area, work in the area, and, of um, and course, at trainings and just now an integral part of the community.
3: This weekend, the final how much has the, the community got behind you?
1: Oh just unbelievably um, all of the codes all of the sporting codes are right behind me they've really the last two weeks what they've done to you know they've cancelled uh, you know because of the weather there's been trouble getting facilities and indoor and this sort of thing so we've had volleyball uh, Bamington, hockey uh, the rugby have helped me no end um, yeah so all of the codes have got behind us but the whole community has really um, helped out. You know, it, it's, we've had shortfalls in funding because of, we weren't expecting to be here. So um, uh, we've had uh, people just coming up to me on the street and just offering $50 and this sort of thing that never, don't even know who they are and that sort of thing. So it, it's been really tremendous.
3: What, what do you think's the key behind your success?
1: What really made an effort to not change the Polynesians into... European-style football. And instead, we've adapted to their game and just brought a bit more uh, structure to it. So um, do our best. Uh, it's almost a cardinal sin within the team to let the ball into the air, that it's got to be kept on the ground, the ball speed, and to allow the flair of the players to that um, they enjoy themselves. And um, through that, we've attracted um, quite a following of um, you know, both supporters, media, and um, uh, and in due course sponsorship.
3: You've got Napier in the in the final. Year. You've beaten them twice this year too, haven't you?
1: Yeah, yeah, we've beaten them twice. But I'm not reading in. Uh, both games were really tight affairs. And and to be honest, the first game uh, we didn't really deserve to win. They they d- did more than enough to win that game. And uh, just fortunately for us, we come away with the points. But um, yeah, the. The games this year have been really tight affairs and and I don't expect anything different this weekend.
3: Palmerston North, the, the venue, is that going to be more of a, a home venue for rapper than Napier?
1: Yeah, yeah like um, uh, Sule, um Campbell Banks, yeah, a number of our... Um, uh, and because the players that do play for us from Palmerston North, uh, out of the starting 11, at least eight have actually played National League on that surface, and within the squad um, uh, there would have been 11 that have played uh, National League overall for at, so, uh, You know, in the last few years at some stage. So, um, And we've played Red Sox there in the Chatham Cup and, of course, played Marist there in, in the Central League. So, yeah, we're quite used to the surface, and, and I believe we'll get a lot of support from um, uh, Manawatu because there's always been quite a feeling between Manawatu and Hawkes Bay in any code so um uh, I think um, yeah we'll get good strong support there and on top of it from Wellington and uh, and of course our own locals from Wa
3: celebrations planned or if you um, or have you avoided thinking about them
1: yeah yeah I'm just hoping like hell Peter Rabo hasn't brought any more Carver and uh, but uh, uh, Nobi Ishii did bring um, back from Japan uh, quite a quantity of sake, so I, I am quite curious to see what that tastes like, but um, that will only be open if we do win. If we don't win, uh, it'll be, have to be held over for another time.
3: I was talking to the coach of the Wararapa United football side, Phil Kinsley, ahead of their Chatham Cup final against Napier City Rovers on Sunday. And that brings us to the end of Extra Time for another week.